Psalm 145, verse 18 says that the Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. Uh, it's possible that you this morning, or whenever you're watching this, listening, might uh, think that maybe you've gone too far beyond the boundary. Maybe you have backslidden in such a way as you think you're sort of outside of God's interest, is no longer wanting you back, and that kind of a thing. Or maybe you've sinned in such a way as you think that uh, that he no longer has grace enough to cover you. Well, that's a pretty broad invitation in Psalm 145. That the Lord is near to all who call upon him. Uh, James tells us that if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us, right? Well, you know, if you find yourself in a place this morning where you feel like you're distant from the Lord, it's important that you remember the heart of God. One of the parables that comes to mind that uh, Jesus talked about that really demonstrates this is the story of the prodigal son. And there are three main characters in that. Of course, there's the father, there's the prodigal son, and there is the son who uh, did not go prodigal, but had been faithful to stay in his father's house and all of that. But in particular, the prodigal son, if you're not terribly familiar with the story, uh, this is the son who asked for his inheritance before his father had passed away, which is kind of an insult. It's actually a major insult. But the father graciously gave that son his inheritance, and then the son went off and uh, spent it all on prodigal living and, you know, all that that might entail, just blowing it on whatever he wanted to do and all those kinds of things. And no doubt he dishonored the father's name throughout the course of his misadventures and that. Well, eventually he runs out of money and he finds himself working, slopping pigs. Now, of course, if you're Jewish, that part of the story is kind of poignant because that's a very non-kosher thing to be doing. And so he finds himself slopping pigs. And so he begins to think, you know, my father's servants in my father's house, they live better than this. Maybe I can just go back and serve in the house, not even be a son, but just be in this house. I know I'd be better taken care of than this. And so he begins to make his way back home, thinking about what he might say to his father when he gets there. And his father, as it turns out, has been watching for him every day down the road, looking out over the horizon in hopes that his son will return. And when his son finally comes back, his father sees him coming down the road. He runs out and wraps his arms around him. And his son says, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And as he's in the middle of his spiel, the father says, Enough, basically. He just kind of silences him and says, you know, brings him home and calls for his servants to prepare a party for him. Because his son has returned. And, of course, the older son, who had been faithful and had not gone prodigal, says to the father, why did you ever have a party for me? I didn't go and throw away my inheritance like he did and dishonor you like he did. Why is it that you don't have a party for me? And he says basically, look, my house is yours. You're always here, all this kind of a thing. He's, he says, yeah, it's true. You never ran off and did these things. But the important thing to remember is that my son who was gone, who's lost, is found, who's dead, he's returned to me. Well, the father's heart on demonstration there, on display, looking for his son to come back down the road, the one who'd run off and not just left to pursue his own things in some good way, but actually went off and, and, uh, and, and, and just did all kinds of stuff that no doubt was dishonorable and wrong, and, and uh, he was a fool in what he did. But the father's desire was for him to come home, no matter how far away he'd gone. And when he came home, his father rejoiced. As a matter of fact, Jesus would also say elsewhere that the angels in heaven rejoice over one lost sinner that's saved. Well, certainly, if you're watching this today and you don't know the Lord, 
you need to understand that God is not looking to just destroy you. He actually wants you to come home. And if you are a son already, and you've gone prodigal, you've backslidden, you've drifted away in a way that maybe you've even begun to bring dishonor upon the name of the Lord, your Father in heaven, just understand that, yes, that's wrong. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's not a small, trite thing. But understand that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. That's true in our salvation, but it's certainly because Jesus paid for our sins, past, present, and future. That means that the thing that you're living in right now, the way that you're living in a prodigal way, has not removed you from God's grace, but in fact, God's grace covers that. And he invites you to come home and to dwell with him and to live in such a way where you're living in close proximity to him, where you're walking close by his side and not wandering off. And so the Lord is near those who call upon him and who call upon him in truth. We don't just come to him on our own terms. We have to acknowledge that we've done wrong. We acknowledge that we're not worthy of such a thing. And certainly if we understand our sin or we understand the condition we might be in right now if we're in a prodigal lifestyle, uh, certainly that shouldn't be very hard to acknowledge. But know this, that when we come to God on his terms, we recognize that it's by his grace that we're saved and even by his grace we're sustained. And that it's his love, simply because he's a loving God and a loving Father, that ultimately sets us free. We don't come and just sort of tell him how it's going to be, or we don't just sort of make him uh, somebody who will respond to us on our own terms. But rather we come to him on his terms, his glorious terms, his right terms, his good terms, his fair and just terms. It brings us to a place of humility, and it causes us to be broken when we come back. But let me encourage you to come to that place and be broken and humble yourself out and remember that when you do and you come to him that way and you call upon him, he's all too near to pull you back in, to welcome you back home, and to celebrate your return. And so, God, we just want to come before you this morning, and Father, thank you for your grace, and we thank you for the fact that you love us in spite of how far we might have wandered off, in spite of whatever sin we might have been guilty of or might be guilty of right now. We thank you that Jesus came and took that guilt and shame upon himself and has now made the path open that we might be saved. And if we're already saved and falling back into these things, his grace makes it possible for us to be fully restored into fellowship without any shame, without any hindrance. And so, Father, help us not to take that for granted, but help us not to neglect to take advantage of that beautiful invitation and privilege. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for your love for us that knows no bounds. And we just pray that as we walk with you, that we'd remember these things in the moment where the choice to go prodigal comes up, and that we'd remember how good we have it at home with our Father, and that we'd make the right choices. So thank you, Father. We ask all this in Jesus' name.